Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Pilgrim Devotion. I am your host, Pastor Michael Howard, the senior pastor of Seaford Baptist Church, and your host for this podcast, which is for anyone inside or outside of Seaford Baptist Church that is living the pilgrim life, representing the kingdom of God in the kingdom of man. I hope that you are doing well as the first month of the year comes to a close. We were away last week, and instead of me getting on here and talking in the normal normal way that I talk or having a guest or whatever, uh, I posted the talk that I gave at Theology Week 2024 at Temple Baptist. Man, that was one of the greatest weeks of ministry. I'm not even like trying to over-exaggerate and certainly not meaning to over-exaggerate. It really was one of the greatest weeks of ministry that I've gotten to be involved in. Uh, the uh, it was it was two weeks ago. Uh, recording this here at the end of January today. Actually, recording it on the thirtieth. It will release uh, tomorrow. But but yeah, it was two weeks ago at Temple Baptist, which is pastored by my friend Wes Taylor, and it was five churches coming together for Theology Week. So you had Pastor West from Temple. You had Pastor Hobson Buteau from Pocosin Baptist. Pastor Nathan Cecil from Fox Hill Road Baptist Church. And then you had Pastor Kenny DeAria from Reformation Christian Fellowship. We talked about the doctrine of God. Each one of us had a different topic each night. I talked about how do we know that God exists, and that is the talk that I posted here on the podcast last week. Uh, But you can go on YouTube. Just search Temple Baptist Church on YouTube. I think there's a few out there, so Temple Baptist Church, Newport News, and you'll see all the Theology Week talks as well as, for most of the sessions, the question and answer uh, sessions that we did after the talks, and it was really great. So on on uh, Monday night, we had Nathan Cecil talk about the knowability of God. On Tuesday night, we had Hobson talking about the Trinity. On Wednesday, we had Kenny talking about uh, the the incommunicable attributes of God, and then all wrapped up with Pastor West talking about the communicable attributes. And I love those men, and they are all phenomenal preachers, and it was just such a rich week of teaching, ministry, fellowship, the whole thing. We look forward to doing it again next year. So yeah, I encourage you, go to Temple Baptist Church's YouTube page, Temple Baptist Newport News. Look for that on YouTube. You will see all the Theology Week talks. You can give them a listen, and if you haven't had a chance to listen to last week's, uh, I hope that you will. Uh, last week's episode where you can hear that uh, that talk I gave on how do we know God exists. I hope it'll be encouraging to you. But for today, we are shifting our attention and we are I, I I'm I'm like I'm like Jude, okay? I, I was gonna talk about something else today, but uh, a matter of of importance has come up that I want to address. I plan to share a little bit about Thomas Watson and his feelings on humility, because that's something our men are talking about on Tuesday mornings right now. And I just read this portion of Body of Divinity about the incarnation and about the humility of Christ and how we can reflect that in our lives that just blew my doors off. So I'll save that. I will do that. But for this week, I wanted to talk about this controversy that has popped up and it may have you know, gotten some attention from some of our church members and some of our listeners here on the Pilgrim Devotion podcast because it involves Alistair Begg. Alistair Begg is a guy that a lot of people have loved and listened to. I have a particular love for Alistair Begg because he is a, a guy who's he's pretty reformed in his theology and he has... 
uh, been a really faithful teacher for a long time, and he's one that has been able to cross over kind of into the mainstream. One of these confessional reform guys who has a radio show that you know is is it's nationally broadcasted, and so a lot of Christians, reformed and not reformed Christians, listen to him. And that's not always the case when it comes to confessionally reformed brothers. So I really appreciate that about him, but. He has gotten himself in a, a little bit of hot water, oddly enough, about something that he said months and months ago. It's not even something that he said recently. So if you if you didn't uh, see what's going on, American Family Radio has, uh, they, they have carried Pastor Alistair Begg's program uh, on their radio station. Uh, and, and, and that, like I said, it's been listened to by a lot of people, but they have decided to drop his program. Now, Beg is a pastor out of Cleveland, Ohio, but if you listen to his accent, he's definitely not from Cleveland, Ohio, okay? He is a Scottish man, and he's got a brilliant Scottish accent, which makes his preaching all the better. Uh, but he, he went on in September, he recorded an episode of his, um, his program, and what he did is is he he was addressing the issue of whether or not a grandmother should go to the wedding of her grandson who is about to be married to a person that is transgender. Okay, so I'm going to read. This is actually, so this is cool. The article that I am reading from right now that sums all this up well, it's from faithwire.com, and it's written by uh, a guy that I know, a guy that is uh, a friend of mine who grew up in this church that I pastor, Trey Goins Phillips. Uh, Trey's dad, uh, David Phillips, he is one of the missionaries that we pray for, works for Crew Military, and he has led mission trips for us with the organization Orphan Helpers down to El Salvador. And uh, so his son, Trey, is a journalist and writes a lot of news from a Christian perspective. And Trey wrote an article that really sums everything up with this Alistair Begg situation really well. So I'm quoting from his article. Make sure I give Trey the credit that he deserves. And then I'm going to also interact with a Gospel Coalition article from uh, Matthew Hoser, who is a pastor from over in England. But yeah, uh, Goins Phillips... He, uh, he sums it all up here, and, and he's actually got the quotes from the program that has gotten uh, Beg into this controversy. So basically, the question came up on the program, and, and Alistair Begg said, People may not like this answer, but I asked the grandmother, Does your grandson understand your belief in Jesus? The answer was yes. Next question, Does your grandson understand that your belief in Jesus makes it such that you can't countenance any affirming way, in any affirming way the choices that he has made in his life? The answer that came back was yes. He continued, I said, well then, okay, as long as he knows that, then I suggest that you do go to the ceremony, and I suggest that you buy them a gift. And Beg added that if, if he didn't, you know, if, if the grandmother doesn't go to the ceremony, then maybe it's somehow reinforcing some judgmental stereotypes that have been uh, that, that, that the church has, you know, fair or unfair. And he said, your love for them may catch them off guard, but your absence will simply reinforce the fact that they said, quote, these people are what I always thought, judgmental, critical, unprepared to countenance anything. And then he goes on to say it's a fine line. It really is. People need to work out their salvation with fear and trembling. 
but I think that we're going to take that risk. And, and here's kind of the line that's getting thrown around a lot on social media uh, that's being quoted a lot that, you know, a lot of people are skewering him for. We're going to have to take that risk a lot more if we want to build bridges into the hearts and lives of those who understand Jesus and don't understand that he is a king. So AFR releases a statement on the fact that they're severing a relationship with Beg after this old podcast popped up on social media, which again, I think he recorded it back in September. They've had his show for over 10 years on their station, but uh, here's their statement. They said, recently it came to our attention that Pastor Beg made statements that were unbiblical and failed to line up with the decades of faithful adherence to scripture that listeners have come to expect from him. In essence, when the question was asked of him whether or not a family member should attend an unbiblical wedding ceremony between two homosexuals, Pastor Beg counseled Christians to attend and take a gift. At American Family Association, we believe it to be an act of unfaithfulness to God to attend a ceremony that celebrates any union outside of the biblical model of marriage as being between one man and one woman. Members of our leadership team held a call with Alistair Begg's team and were unsuccessful in convincing them of his error. As a result, we will no longer air Alistair Begg's Truth for Life program. Again, very popular program, been on there station for over a decade. So that is uh, what's going on here. Who's right? Alistair Begg or American Family Radio. Uh, He has doubled down, by the way. So I'm going to play a bit of uh, his sermon this past Sunday from the pulpit. He addressed the situation. So here is what he said. The challenge in this, and I'm going to wrap this up because time goes, the challenge for me in this is I just assume, and I, I'm, I'm not going to assume it anymore. I assume that people are able to put two and two together and get four, not five or seven or nine or whatever it is. So, for example, um, in the last days when this thing began, um, my daughter said to me, Dad, you were way ahead of this game a long time ago. When Ellen DeGeneres came out and you preached those sermons on the gay debate, I mean, you've been so clear about this for all of your ministry. What is this about? I said, I don't don't really know what it's about, but uh, yeah, that's right. And most recently in dealing with Romans chapter one. So I assume that anybody who picks this up goes, oh, well, wait a minute, whatever, whatever he's on about there, there's no reason for alarm because after all, listen to what he said. And this is what I said in Romans 1, talking about this very issue. Quotes, so here's the challenge. How do you do this? In other words, how do you, how do you express the love of Jesus and, and do so in a way that doesn't just compromise everything? How do you honor God, obey his word, and treat your neighbors and your friends and your family members who have decided to go down this wrong path? Some people have decided the way to handle it is by admonition. So you just simply stand up and keep telling them, this is terrible, this is terrible, this is terrible. Some people have decided, well, we just won't say anything at all. Just let it go, who cares? You know, it's a big world. People do different things. Neither is a possibility for a Bible-believing Christian. We are to treat with honor those who view us with hatred. Now understand that this grand child was an enemy of the gospel 
an enemy really in the family circle by dint of our lifestyle. An enemy. And Jesus says, you're supposed to love your enemies. Now, we can disagree over whether I gave that grandmother good advice or not. Not everybody on the pastoral team thinks I gave very good advice. And as I said, uh, you know, on another occasion with a different person in a different context, the advice may be very different. But at least let's acknowledge the fact that what we're doing is we're wrestling with biblical principle. And when principle for, let's say, holiness of life comes up against the principle of love for your enemy, how are you, how are you going to put that together? You got a problem with the grandmother showing up, sitting on the front row in a context that she absolutely despises and sitting on her lap, nicely wrapped with beautiful paper and a bow around it, is her gift. The gift of a Bible. For a granddaughter, she knows, has no interest in the Bible. But because she believes that the entrance of God's word brings light, she is prepared to trust the Holy Spirit to do the work. What happens to homosexual people in my experience, quotes, is that they are either reviled or they are affirmed. The Christian has to say, we will not treat you in either of those ways. We cannot revile you, but we cannot affirm you. Now, I want to say that I actually agree with the last statement. We cannot revile you. We're not going to hate you, right? It's not what we do. But we're also not going to affirm what you do. But I have to say also that I don't think, and, and, and to be fair, he said that in different situations he may give different advice, but I don't think that to not attend a homosexual wedding or a transgender wedding or any sort of LGBT wedding is us as Christians reviling people that are LGBT, Right? I, I don't think we should say that. I don't think we can say that. And and I don't mean to put words in his mouth, but the way that he kind of phrased that, it makes it seem like he is creating this zero-sum game here where it's like, well, if you don't attend the wedding, you're reviling them. Well, that's not true. That's not true. But what does attending the wedding say? And I think that's where American Family Radio is upset. That's where people are really disagreeing with Beg. Apparently, people on his own pastoral team, they're saying, hey, by attending the wedding... You're certainly not reviling them, but seems like you're affirming their lifestyle, affirming the choices that they are making, which I think is particularly problematic. And the reason I think it's problematic is because Romans 1 does not just view homosexuality as a sin. But when you read Romans 1, it views homosexuality as the behavior of it as judgment within itself from God for a rebellion against God as creator. So I, I'm just going to read this. For the wrath of God, this is starting in verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. So what I was talking about last week in the Theology Week talk. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. 
For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So, therefore, in light of this exchange that they have made in worshiping creation instead of creator, even though creation itself points unquestionably to a creator, God gave them up, verse 24 uh, says, in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature, and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. I don't think Alistair Begg would disagree with the thing that I just said in like that very brief commentary that I gave on Romans chapter 1, but I also don't think that his advice to this grandmother properly lines up with what we're seeing there in Romans 1, because what we're seeing in Romans 1 is that the, the behavior of homosexuality or lesbianism, uh, the behavior of of bisexualism, the behavior of, 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 being, of being transgender, that, that this behavior is an abomination before the Lord, and it is actually judgment for this hardening of the heart, this unbelief, this suppressing of the truth so that someone can continue on in unrighteousness. And so the question that I have is for him that I, I would say, in, in, I would ask him this in all humility, I, truly, uh, I, I don't mean to to try to punch down on Alistair Begg, who I think is a, absolutely a brother, and not just a brother, but has been a faithful pastor for many, many, many years. I, I, I don't mean to to kind of dogpile at the end of the play, right? The whistle's about to blow. Let me jump on to the dogpile here before the whistle blows and add my weight to it. I don't mean to do that. It's just I, I would humbly ask him if I was sitting in front of him, how would we go to an LGBT wedding and affirm something in our presence, right, by being there, be a witness to something, which, which I do think there's a level of when you show up to a wedding, you are approving of the covenant between these two people, right? So how can you show up there and, and participate in this knowing that what you're participating in is an abomination before the Lord our God. And so that is the question that I would have to beg. And, and, and more than that, couldn't we be sending a message to the couple that this is okay, right? That we, we sign off on this, this is just fine. I, I wouldn't go to a polygamous Mormon wedding, which I know that modern-day Mormons are not polygamous, well, at least not all of them. But, but let's say, you know, it's the turn of the century, okay? Go back to like 1900, and and there's a polygamous Mormon wedding that is happening. Would I attend that? Absolutely not. I would not. Uh, Matthew Hoser, in an article that he wrote for the Gospel Coalition, pointed out that there are other sorts of weddings that he would 
uh, not attend. That if there was a heterosexual uh, wedding that was going on, and if the people getting married claimed to be followers of Jesus, and the wedding itself, or even if they don't claim to be uh, followers of Jesus, right? Um, Actually, no, let let me be clear what, what he's saying here. So he says, if they are followers of Jesus, and the previous marriages that they were in or that one of them was in broke down, and there's question. There's real question as to whether or not the the divorce is legitimate in the eyes of God. So there's not abandonment. There's not adultery. There's some other things we could talk about, but that's not this podcast. Um, but, But if there's a legitimate question about whether or not the divorce is legitimate in the eyes of God... ...and that this remarriage should not happen, Matthew Hosier's like, I would not attend that wedding... And to be fair, I think a lot of people who are probably beating on Alistair Begg about this would still attend that wedding and maybe haven't given full thought to what sort of heterosexual weddings would they attend. Matthew Hosier goes on to say, if the people getting married are not followers of Christ, I would not hold them to the same standard as Christians. In such a case, while their previous divorce may well have been wrong, their new marriage is still in some measure legitimate as it is between a man and a woman and so conforms to the legitimate patterns of marriage. And he goes on to point out that biblically and historically, there's a number of examples uh, where marriages are in some measure wrong but remain legitimate, pointing to some polygamous marriages even in the scriptures. So anyhow, uh, I say all that to say that I, I, I think Alistair Begg's wrong on this. I do think that he's wrong on this. And I think that Christians do have to give real thought to this because the chances are most of us are probably going to get invited to a wedding like this at some point in our lives, particularly if you're a millennial or you're Gen Z, right? This LGBT culture, it's, it's growing at a rapid rate. More and more people are identifying with it, participating in it. And so the chances that somebody you know who is LGBT is going to invite you to one of these weddings, well, it's probably fairly high. This will happen in your lifetime. And I I think that we have to really, first of all, take a step back and say, what is marriage? Like, what do we see marriage as as Christians? And again, Matthew Hosier, very helpful in this TGC article, points out that, you know, for us as believers, marriage is not a contract, right? A contract is this 50-50 thing that you have with a service provider. So I have a, I have a, a contract with YouTube TV. If YouTube TV were to stop providing for me the images of sports, which is the number one reason I have it, then I'm not going to give them their money. If I don't give them their money, they're not going to provide me, you know, the Super Bowl. So, so there, there's this contract there where if one of us pulls out, the whole thing is going to fall apart. Where in a marriage, it's not a contract, but it is a covenant where we are giving 100% of ourselves to one another physically, uh, emotionally, spiritually, that we are all in, that it's flesh of my flesh, right? And that we are leaving our mothers and our fathers. We are cleaving to one another 100%. And there are days in which the other person doesn't show up 100%. It doesn't mean you go, well, you're not providing the service for me, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull out too. In, instead, there is sacrifice that, that occurs there, right? There is 
uh, love which covers a multitude of sins that occurs there. When I talk about love, I'm not just talking about Hollywood feelings and romantic sentiments. I'm talking about real love in action, the sort of love that Jesus showed his church by dying for her on the cross. That's the sort of love that a man is supposed to be showing his wife in a marriage. That's what Ephesians 5 tells us as Paul explains marriage as it relates to the gospel. Uh, the woman is to love the husband in the way that the church loves and honors and submits to Jesus Christ, her Lord, right? And if a man is sacrificing in, and leading in love properly, washing his wife with the water of the word is for her joy, for her sanctification, and the woman, on the other hand, is submissive to his loving sacrificial leadership, then that marriage together, as they're honoring Christ together, both growing closer to Christ together, it is going to preach the gospel. And so that is one of the main purposes for marriage. That's the signpost pointing to the gospel, which when the gospel comes to full fruition and we receive our inheritance as the bride of Christ on the new earth, there will be no marriage in the resurrection. There, there's no longer going to be a need for the signpost. Also, we know that when it comes to marriage, marriage is not just for these two people. Matthew Hosier points out it's for the good of the whole community. He says God created marriage as the place for children to be born and raised, as having children is essential for the community to endure. And so it's another reason why Jesus says there will be no marriage in the resurrection. When all God's people are raised to eternal life in Christ, there's not going to be any need for reproduction. Uh, th there's, you know, that there's going to be no need for sex. There's going to be no need for marriage, right? It's going to be totally different on the new earth. So understanding marriage to be this covenant that points to the gospel, understanding marriage to be this wonderful blessing that that in many cases, right, in most cases produces children, then we would say marriage has a specific purpose, marriage has a specific design, marriage has a specific end goal, and as Christian people, we want to affirm marriages that are working towards these goals, right? As Christian people, we want to celebrate marriages that are about these purposes. And as Christian people, when we see that there are marriages that are not going to be doing this or marriages that are not marriages at all, because they don't even involve a man and a woman, which is the biblical definition of marriage, we have to take a step back and say, I won't be involved in this. And then if it's a heterosexual marriage where the people aren't Christians or they're Christians and we're not totally sure about what's going on with a certain divorce and should they be getting remarried, is this legitimate? We have to be discerning. We have to ask some real questions. And, and it, it's not always just RSVP and send back the invitation. So I think that Alistair Begg has missed the boat a bit here. Uh, I do want to say the idea of us building bridges to LGBT people is important. I think it's important that we love people, that we preach the gospel to people, that we don't look at them and call them common as if the gospel can't change their hearts and lives. Uh, this past Sunday, I shared a story out of Thaddeus Williams's book, uh, which I can't remember the name of right now. This 12 questions Christians should ask about social justice is the subtitle. Confronting Injustice Without Compromising the Truth. I think that's the name of the book. I'm reading it right now. I should know. I'm almost done with it. It's a great book. 
And in it, he shares, uh, he has different people who kind of like co-author it with him and share their stories. And one is this guy whose name is Beckett, which I remember because that's my son's name. And he is, you know, he grew up in Texas. He recognized that he was attracted to the same sex as a teenager. He began to participate in a gay lifestyle and live a gay lifestyle. He was uh, a set designer for fashion shoots and commercials and things like that. Friends with like Drew Barrymore and tell stories about hanging out after parties with Paul McCartney and going to Prince's house one night. Uh, so, I mean, this guy, you know, he, he, he was like running around with that, with a level celebrities and stuff. And he secretly though, felt like his life was pretty empty and that all the promises that this gay lifestyle made to him, it wasn't coming through on. And he met some Christians who are reading the Bible in a Hollywood coffee shop. And he asked them their feelings about homosexuality. They were straight up honest with them. They invited him to church. He went to church with them. Uh, and then didn't make it out of one service, was, became a Christian, knew immediately that he was no longer going to be participating in a gay lifestyle, was repentant of it, didn't even really care that he was losing that lifestyle and whatever he had been gaining from it. So he was like, I just met the king of the universe. What happens if those Christians had looked at this man and just been like, we're not going to share the gospel with this guy, he's gay. You know, we're not sharing the gospel with this set designer on, you know, at fashion shoots. If we look at, at people who are living an LGBT lifestyle as being beyond grace, we're the ones that are in sin. And so we shouldn't do that. And I think Alistair Begg has a real heart for that. But I just think that he went too far here in trying to build bridges. I think he actually ends up compromising. And as Matthew Hosier points out in this article, by doing this, you know, you, you could absolutely end up sending the wrong message to friends that their life, which runs contrary to God's command, that the way they're living is okay. And, and that's really very unloving, isn't it? He says, there's two competing tensions to reconcile in answering the question, so should I attend a same-sex wedding? Which, by the way, he wrote this article in 2014. So much has changed since then. It's very focused on just like a, a wedding between, you know, two homosexual people, but we know that now, I mean, like this this situation here, you have a transgender person marrying someone whose sexuality isn't even really defined in any way in this article. I mean, things have just gotten so, so, they, they're just changing at such a rapid rate with all of this stuff. So I, I'm using the term LGBT wedding. So should I attend an LGBT wedding? Matthew Hosier says, one, the fact that you love and care for the person getting married means the answer should be Yes. That's, that's what you feel, right? It's difficult to see how not going to the ceremony would demonstrate love and care for the person. But he says, also has to be considered the fact that this is not really a marriage at all. And that means the answer should be no. It's difficult to see how going to the ceremony communicates anything other than your approval. So if you don't approve but go anyway, you act dishonestly or with hypocrisy. He goes on to say that number two, it outweighs number one. So we don't go. And I think that Alistair Begg is missing that. I think he's swinging and missing on this. Now, am I going to say we should mark and avoid Alistair Begg the way I would say you should mark and avoid somebody like Mark Driscoll or Andy Stanley? No. No. This, we're talking about one podcast. And this man has a, a breadth of teaching out there, right? It just, a, a, just loads and loads of teaching out there. 
And, and so I'm not saying that he's infallible in the rest of his teaching. I'm sure we could find other things that we would disagree with. But I think that I want to I want to have grace toward this older brother in the faith who's been doing this longer than I have. I want to have grace to say, I'm going to watch him work this out. And let's see where he ends up landing. I know he doubled down this past Sunday, but let's see where he ends up landing. If somebody right now in our church came to us and said, look, and, look, Pastor, we're thinking about new Sunday school study. We got a Kevin DeYoung book, a Ligon Duncan book, and a um, an Alistair Begg book. Which one should we do? I would say you should do Duncan or you should do DeYoung. Don't do Begg. Not right now. Not right now. And that, again, it's not Mark and Avoid. It's just... I do think that when things like this happen, like there's some guys that subscribe to uh, just some different things during 2020 on both sides of the political aisle that they haven't recovered from it in the sense that they're still saying they're, they're doubling down still saying, nope, this is, this is where I land. That I'm like, eh, you're my brother, but I'm not going to encourage my, my, my people to read your books, right? That's probably, I'm, I'm yellow light. With, uh, if we're going to say green light, you know, like, hey, green light, John Piper. <laughs> Yellow light, Alistair Begg. Red light, Andy Stanley. Okay? That, that's, that would be where I'd put Alistair Begg right now and just say, let's, I'm, I got a yellow light on, on, on this brother for a moment until this thing, the dust clears and we kind of see how all this settles out. We don't need to react emotionally and be like, this guy's a heretic. You know, settle down. But yeah, I got a little bit of yellow light on and, and I, I hope to see, uh, him continue to think about this. And I will say it's got to be, you know, you, you put this podcast out in September, you're going about your life for a few months, nobody says anything, and then all of a sudden you're the talk of the town on social media and people are ripping you apart and you got to address it in your pulpit on on Sunday. Uh, it had to be quite the week for him. But, um, but yeah, those are my thoughts on the situation. I, I do want to say that if you have people in your life that are LGBT, you should be praying for them. You should be sharing the gospel with them every chance you get. You should be inviting them to your church. You shouldn't be afraid of that. But we also have to be really careful that we don't send the wrong message by approving of their lifestyles and approving of behavior that that the Lord clearly puts outside of the boundaries of behavior in his word and that the Lord even says our judgment for being outside the boundaries of belief in his word. We, we, we can't do that. So yeah, that's my thoughts on Alistair Begg. Uh, I hope that you're doing well, Christian. How is your soul? Give that some thought. How are you doing? Uh, how is God's grace at work in your life? How would you like to see his grace at work in your life? As always, if you think about these questions, you need to talk to a pastor, reach out to us, connect at seafordbaptist.com. We would love to talk to you. If you have any questions, about anything we've talked about on the podcast today, reach out to us. We would love to talk to you. And until next time, keep living that pilgrim life. Hey